Good morning. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's time to begin our worship service. Our first song will be number 659, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love, and wonders of his love, and wonders, wonders of his love. As Jesse says, Merry Christmas, everyone. And uh, welcome, everyone, to our service today. If you are visiting with us either in person or via live stream, we want you to know you are our honored guest. If you're here in person, please fill out an attendance card and place it in the collection plate so that we may have a record of your attendance. A review of our times of services are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship is at 10.30 a.m. Sunday evening worship is normally at 5 p.m. However, there will be no evening service tonight, so the families can be together for the Christmas. Wednesday night worship is at 6, 7 p.m., Wednesday night, 7 p.m. There will be a New Year's Eve party on December the 31st in the Fellowship Hall beginning at 6.30 p.m., until the last person is there, so whenever that would be. Bring appetizers and desserts to share. Also bring your favorite games to play. This is a wonderful time to fellowship with friends, count our blessings, and bring in the new year. That's all the announcements. We'll have our reading now. The reading comes from John 17, verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Our next song will be number six. Number six. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning our song shall rise to Eternally 
Casting down their golden crowns around the crystal sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee. Who was stand art and evermore shall be? Holy, holy, Our God and our Father, we are grateful that we are able to safely attend here today in warmth and comfort. It is our hope, Father, that what we do here today brings you joy and honor. We'll thank our Father for the greatest gift that mankind could ever receive, forgiveness of sins, and the hope of eternal life by your side. We're thankful, Father, that, that your Son, Jesus Christ, had the obedience, was willing to obey, to follow through with your plan. We're thankful, Father, for the many gifts that we've received here, the many blessings here at Stroudsville. We pray, Father, that you would continue to be with us for many years to come that you would be with the, the many churches the world over. We know, Father, that there are some that are not fortunate, those who are in need. We pray, Father, that they would receive what they need, that they have shelter and clothing, that they have food, a place to sleep. We pray, Father, that we would be used to spread your word. We're thankful, Father, that uh, you brought us here safely today. We, we pray for those who might be traveling today, that you would keep us all safe, that you would bring us back. We pray, Father, that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would continue to always be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, we'll sing number 170, number 170. They bound the hands of Jesus in the garden where he prayed. They led him through the streets in shame. They spat upon the Savior, so pure and free from sin. They said, crucify him, he's to blame. He could have destroy the world and set him free. He could have called ten thousand angels, but he died alone for you and me. 
To the howling mob he yielded, he did not for mercy cry. The cross of shame he took alone, and when he cried, it's finished, he gave himself to die. Salvation's wondrous plan was done. He could have called ten thousand angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called ten thousand angels, but he died alone. In the singing of that song, I I thought about the words of our Savior when he says, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And so he carries out the will of the Father, even down to the, the closing moments of his life. But as he shared his last Passover with his disciples, He instituted what uh, has come to be known in the church as the Lord's Supper. The taking of the bread, which is semblance of his body that was given on the cross, and the shedding of his blood, the cup reflects that. And so as we come to this point in time, uh, we want to do this in a worthy manner. And that is, focus our attention on what this is all about. Not what we're going to do a little later, but focus on Christ and his sacrifice that he made for us. Let us pray for the bread. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come around your table to remember the, the body that was battered and bruised in order for us to have forgiveness of sin. We pray, Father, that you would bless us as we partake of this bread, which is representative of the body that was given on the cross for us. This we ask in Jesus' name.
Let us pray. Father, we continue to remember the sacrifice you made for us in the shedding of your blood on that hill outside of Jerusalem. We pray, Father, that you would bless this cup as we partake of it in remembrance of the sacrifice you made for us. So I pray in Christ's name. This completes the Lord's Supper. At this time, we have an opportunity to return a portion that God has blessed us with for the advancement of his kingdom. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the ability to work and make a living for our families. And, Father, that we will return unto thee a portion that you have blessed us with. And remember that... All things are yours. We pray, Father, that you would be with us as we give, and may we give in a cheerful manner. So I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you'd like to mark our invitation song this morning, it'll be number 559. Number 559. Now before the lesson, let's all stand together and sing number 643. 643. 
I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning, then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior, forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. I then obeyed his blessed commands and gained the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love. cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory, and I heard about the street of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my Good morning. Merry Christmas to everyone. Good to have you here today on this day that we worship. And I just thought it was interesting. We, we assemble every Lord's Day to take the Lord's Supper. Without exception, uh, God's family celebrates the death, the burial, the resurrection. But one day out of the year, our nation celebrates the birth of Christ. Even, even people that may not be particularly religious still hear the carols and the Christmas songs, they hear Christ our Savior is born, they may even sing along with them. So it's kind of interesting that on this one holy day, holiday, Christmas, we think about Jesus as a world, as a nation. And I wanted to capitalize on that uh, and just bring some thoughts to us as you celebrate this holiday with your family today. I know in a, in a few moments we'll be dismissing and you'll be going back and eating and celebrating, enjoying gifts, and spending some very important family time. But thank you for, for being here today so we can focus on Jesus. I love to talk about Jesus, think about Jesus, and challenge us to reflect his life. Today's lesson is called The Gift of the Magi. I'd ask you to turn to Matthew 2. The reason I chose the Magi is they're very interesting people who are called wise men from the east. And we know, according to the story of the Magi, 
that uh, they traveled seeking Jesus. Now, I can't speak for anybody else, but when I was a little guy in a Christmas play, I was one of the wise men, right? So I can relate to the Magi. I don't remember what gift I had. I remember talking to my mom about that when I was in first grade or second grade, but I was one of the wise men. Meg's probably wondering if I'm still a wise man today. I don't know, but but I, in my little mind, my first, year, first grade mind, I was thinking about the wise men and why they traveled to see Jesus. And it's always intrigued me that we always teach there were three, right? Yeah, we don't know that. There might have been a hundred. might have been 300 of them. But they brought three categories of gifts, right? So ever since I was little, I always thought there were three, not necessarily. We're going to dispel some myths about the Magi. We're going to challenge your thinking today about the Magi, those wise men that traveled from the east. And hopefully, if I've done my job today, you'll make some applications in your life when you think about Jesus and the wise men in that relationship. And, and if I've succeeded in that, we've done well. And, and so it will be a challenge to you Uh, for the rest of the year and as we begin the next year, 23. Let's turn to Matthew 2. We're just going to read this whole section beginning in verse 1 about the Magi, and then we'll make some application today. But I wanted to just say it's wonderful to see my family here as it is every Sunday, even if the world stops for a moment to celebrate the birth of Christ. We don't know when Jesus was born, but we know he was born. That's important. We know that he came. We know that men sought him. And so let's read that account. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet. And so now they're quoting, and Matthew is quoting an Old Testament reference, saying, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you found him, bring me word that I too may come and... Worship him. We all understand that part of the story. He didn't want to go worship Jesus, did he? He had different motives, but that's his story. So uh, it says in verse 9, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that had, they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Being warned in a dream not to return Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. We know According to the story in the Bible that Herod was not at all pleased that they never came back. Herod was so paranoid and power hungry that he didn't want anybody that was a ruler or potential king to usurp him in his place of government. And so he had the slaughter of the innocents, the babies killed up to two years old. Uh, Truly a tragic event. But uh, he was a little bit demented uh, and, and actually slaughtered innocent babies because he was aware of this king being born, the king of the Jews, Jesus himself. Now, we'll talk a little bit later about Mary and Joseph and this young child and what they did to avoid the danger and how they financed their trip. But I wanted to start off with this question today. 
uh, where the, the wise men, the mad die, say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? My question to you today is, how did they know to seek Jesus? Was there internet back then? No. No cable television. So these men that were from Persia, right, from the Middle East, how did they know? How did they know about the writings and the predictions of the Messiah? Very interesting question. Now, based on historians and some research, uh, let me tell you what I found. How did they know to search Jesus? How did they know to look for him? These men were probably from Persia, which is now considered Iran. And in two references in the Bible, you may not know this, you could jot this down. In Daniel 9, there is a reference uh, to Jesus coming, and I'll give you that in just a moment. And in Balaam, and we'll talk about Balaam more in in a moment, in Numbers 24, Both of these were from that region of Persia. And when they wrote, there's a good chance that these recording writings uh, were studied by the wise men and predicted the coming of the Christ. So they they did their study. They did their history and research. In the book of Daniel, for example, you may recall Daniel was imported in the time of Babylonian captivity and he was in Babylon. The the Babylonian Empire eventually became the Medo-Persian Empire. And he continued to serve as one of their satraps, a wise man. And he uh, prophesied a lot in the latter part of his ministry. But Daniel writes, in 72 weeks, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. So he gives a little bit of a timeline of when the Messiah promised one would come. Balaam, and let me just tell you a little about Balaam. You may not recall, but Balaam was basically a seer, uh, kind of a mystic man, almost like magician, who could see into the future. He was hired by a pagan king, Balak, Balak hired Balaam to pronounce curses on God's people. So this man, who was not particularly religious, Balaam, uh, who we learn later was greedy and an advisor uh, to Balak, he was a seer who argued with a donkey, you recall, and lost the argument. But yet God used him to predict the the writing uh, and prediction of Jesus. And he said, quote, a star is coming out of Jacob. Isn't that interesting that even in the Old Testament, hundreds of years prior to the birth of Christ, we see wise men who are able to, to do research and find that this Messiah was in fact coming. And a star was coming out of Jacob, a star that led these magi or wise men. So I want to talk about these wise men. We've already mentioned the fact that that they've researched, they've studied. We know that a star led them. Uh, Somebody said the star was probably a little bit like the the pillar of cloud. Remember in in the wilderness when Jesus led or the Lord led his people and we saw a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day that moved and led them. Some say that the star could have been very much like this that led the Magi. Uh, it, it seems like maybe the star only appeared to them. Uh, we know Herod, when he was trying to find out about it or, or learn where it appeared, he had never seen it himself. Maybe this miraculous angel, if you will, uh, this, this appearance from God, led them and guided them. Even after coming out of a meeting with with Herod, you may recall that they saw it again. And it continued to lead them toward Jesus. Now, it's interesting that when Jesus was visited by the Magi, the timeline is wrong a lot of times because the wise men did not come to the manger, right? They didn't. Where does it say in the text they came? It's right there. It says a house. So you see, when the Magi came quite a bit later after the birth of Christ, he could have been several weeks, months, or maybe even up to two years old by the time they came to the house where Joseph had moved Mary and young Jesus, who could have been a toddler by this time. And it was there they presented gifts to Jesus after his birth, where he was up to maybe even two years old. Something interesting to think about 
and I want to draw a parallel today, if you'll allow me, and that is that people today, even people today as they sing the hymns, and we say Merry Christmas, and they're like, what does that mean? Does it, does it have to do with Christians or, or Jesus or, or the birth of Christ? Maybe even people today are wanting to learn more about Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be wise of us, at least in a time of year when people are singing Christmas carols and sending Christmas cards, that we tell other people about our faith in Jesus Christ, that we say we believe and, and, and worship Jesus each week. Uh, we don't know exactly when he was born, but we celebrate not only his birth, but most especially his death, his burial, and resurrection. And it's those three things that we call the gospel. The gospel is reenacted when, when we become a Christian. Um, the Bible tells us to die to self, be buried, and rise again. We call that water baptism. That's how we become a believer. In Christ. That's how we're saved and washed in His blood. Can I tell you more about this Jesus? So, people are seeking Jesus in this time of year. Let's capitalize on that. Let's tell them about our Lord and Savior. And so, I want to focus now for just a few minutes on this idea of gifts. We've already talked about the gifts of the Magi that they bought, brought gifts that were in three categories. We don't know how many Magi, but three categories of gifts. But their gifts did have a purpose. Now you may recall, if you still got your Bible open to Matthew 2, it says in verse 11, uh, opening their treasures, they offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So if you'll allow me for just a moment, I want to talk about the religious significance, almost prophetic in nature, of these gifts given to our Lord. Number one, gold. We all know what gold is. That's no stranger to us. Gold has been sought as a precious metal since the inception of mankind. Later in the history of mankind, gold was associated with deity, right? Even the Israelites in the wilderness, when Moses is on the mountain, made a, a calf out of what? Gold. You see, it was a Babylonian, uh, uh, or Egyptian rather, pagan image, but yet they made it out of gold, something precious. So, deity. A God, gold, something precious given to God, a golden calf. You know, it's interesting, the Ark of the Covenant, what was it covered in? Gold. The lid of the Ark of the Covenant, solid gold. Remember the cherubim, the angels that are reaching out across the top of the Ark? What are they made out of? Gold. Most of the artifacts, as a matter of fact, in the tabernacle are gold. God himself commanded they be made out of gold. It's valuable. It's associated with worship and, most importantly, deity. You see, these wise men, the Magi, as they came, they presented gold because it was worth a lot of money, and they acknowledged that this Messiah was, in fact, God. I will note also that gold served a very practical purpose because Mary and Joseph, just as they are um, saying goodbye to the Magi, and the Magi are leaving with this large gift of gold. There's an angel that warns Joseph, you need to flee. Bad things are going to happen to babies, right? Jesus is in danger. So where did they go? They took a long trip to Egypt. How did they pay for that long trip to Egypt? Ah, they were just given a sum of gold. Isn't that interesting how God provided for a very poor couple? with traveling funds from the gift of the Magi to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So gold, valuable, uh, associated with worship and deity. Frankincense, very interesting. A tree is cut in certain parts of the country uh, in the Middle East, and this uh, sap that oozes is uh, very aromatic. It's, it can dry to like a hard crystal, but when it's burned, uh, it was used in worship and offered up symbolizing prayer. And so again, we see worship, uh, practice of prayer and frankincense uh, associated with each other. And, uh, and so they're basically offering up their prayers to the Lord through frank frankincense, again, a very valuable uh, gift 
that was offered up in prayer. And so this is something that uh, they acknowledge Jesus is Lord and Savior. And uh, the prayers of the world will eventually be lifted up to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So frankincense, again, very symbolic and valuable. The last one, probably the strangest of the three gifts, myrrh. I, I personally have not seen myrrh. I've never held it, held it in my hand. It, it also is cut from a tree and oozes out. But here's what it's used for. It's associated with the ideas of bitterness or gall. And when mixed with a drink, it almost has a hallucinogenic or deadening effect on the one who drinks it. Take your mind now to the cross. Remember Jesus on the cross? What do they offer him? A drink mixed with gall. That was myrrh. It was a deadener to help with the pain, the excruciating pain of someone who may uh, be dying on the cross. And so we sing songs even today about him drinking the bitter cup, right? What was that? That was myrrh offered to Jesus on the cross. And so they recognize him as deity by giving him gold, also valuable for their trip to Egypt. Frankincense, something associated with prayers being lifted up to God, an act of worship. And finally, mirth, almost a prophetic gift saying, at some point, this Messiah, who we are worshiping today, will be uh, associated with bitterness or gall in his death on the cross. Very interesting when you look at those three gifts. The gifts had purpose. Now, I want to shift now to a question to ask you, and that is, as you're here worshiping today, what gift will you offer Jesus? This question was asked by Stacy in our A.M. Bible class, and Stacy didn't know this was my lesson today, but we had several people in class share, what gift would you offer Jesus? What scripture does it talk about us giving a gift to Jesus? And so I want to ask you that question today. If Jesus were in our midst today, and we're in a gift-giving mode. Most of you have received gifts or will be giving gifts later today on Christmas Day. What gift does Jesus ask us to give him? What does Jesus really want? So I'll give you mind to think about that. And basically, I came up with this idea. And we'll look at a scripture in just a moment. I think the gift that our Lord requires of us, that he desires more than anything, would be our hearts, and our, our minds. He wants a heart and a mind which seeks to please God. You may recall that a man that was trained in the law, he was very knowledgeable in the law of Moses, he came up to Jesus one day and he says, um, what command do I need to follow to inherit eternal life? You remember? In, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus has this discussion with him. And he says, well, what does the law say? To love your Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor, he asks. And then he tells this beautiful story of the Good Samaritan. To give the Lord our heart and our mind is a wonderful gift. And I would challenge each of you today to think about that. A heart and a mind which seeks to please God. You see, when we come into this world and we begin to grow and mature and our bodies develop, they, they almost come with them appetites that seek the things of the world, fleshly desires. It's hungry for the things that bring us pleasure and often are contrary to what God tells us to do. So we have to basically put to death these fleshly desires. We have to say, Lord, my body and my mind, my heart, they want to seek after these things which are contrary to your will, but I crucify those. I put them to death. I want to please you, Lord, and so let me say no to those carnal desires, and this is a hard thing for us to do all of our life. No to those carnal desires, but I want to please you. And so I challenge each one of you today, as you listen to this lesson and as you go into the beginning of a new year, I want you to ask yourself, Lord, what can I do this calendar year? In the beginning of 2023, what can I do that pleases you? Sacrificially, what can I do that will make you my child and please you, Father? 
The second thing I wanted to mention today is a heart or a mind which seeks to tell others about Jesus. The whole time that Jesus was here, the whole time he walked on the earth, he was telling people about his Father's will. He was sharing the good news of what he was doing on this earth with people who were lost. He was casting out demons, healing the blind, the deaf, raising the dead, curing people of leprosy. But he kept glorifying the Father. And he said, if you've seen the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And, and so I am here to tell you about my Father's will. And later, the apostles realized that they would be worshiping Jesus and they would be sacrificing their will to have a heart and mind which told others about Jesus Christ. So what is the greatest gift? Going back to Stacy's class. What is the greatest gift that we can give Jesus? We turn over our heart and our mind to Him. We sacrifice that will and say, not my will, Father, but Your will. The greatest gift is when we don't feel out of a sense of obligation or duty to tell others about Jesus, but we tell others because we want to. The Lord's done great things in my life. Can I tell you what He's done for me? He's changed my life. He's changed my language. He's changed the things that I think about, the, change, the things that I chase after. Those things are of no value anymore. I seek to please God. Glenn Shipman didn't realize it this morning, but in our discussion, he got my scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Good job, Glenn. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Romans 12, 1 through 2. I think this is a good summary of how to please God and to give Him the gift that He seeks. It's Romans 12, beginning in verse 1. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, he says, I, I appeal to you, I'm begging you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present. Now, isn't it interesting, if you stop and look at the word present, what word is that? It's present. You're giving God, really, a present. You're putting yourself in front of God and saying, God... Here I am. I'm presenting myself to you. I'm giving myself to you, Lord. And this is what I want to give to you. I want to become a sacrifice that is living and holy. Something that is sanctified and it's set apart from the world. It's extracting myself, Lord, from the world and worldly thinking and worldly things that would distract me and saying, you, God, are front and center of my life. And so here I am, I belong to you, and I sacrifice myself to you daily. That is the greatest gift anyone can give to Jesus. To model and imitate the life of Christ as He walked on the earth. He was the living sacrifice. He gave the ultimate sacrifice to the Father Himself. And so when we present ourselves, when we are the present and our bodies are given to God the Father, it is acceptable. It is holy. It is spiritual worship. And so how does that all work? How do we make this happen? Help us, Brother Tom, to understand how that translates to everyday life. Paul answers that in verse 2. He says, simply this, brothers and sisters, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed. To transform means you literally don't just change priorities. You change shape. You change who you are and how you think. Transformation is that process that we go through when we sacrifice our will to become God's will. When we sacrifice our body to become God's body, we are now giving the greatest gift to Jesus that He could ever want. Lord, I am Yours. Take me, mold me. Make me, shape me into the vessel you want me to be to bring you glory. First thing we must do, be transformed and no longer worldly in our orientation and thoughts. You see, he says in verse 2 that it is a renewal of our mind. Our mind and our heart. 
which goes back to what we said today. What gift will you offer Jesus? A heart or mind which seeks to please God, a heart or mind which seeks to tell others about Jesus. Today in Bible class, we heard the Great Commission mentioned, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to every creature, to teach them to be baptized, to go out and share the good news. Don't serve a Savior that you're ashamed of. Give your heart and your mind to Him and rest in knowing that you've dedicated your life to serve Him. I want you to remember five things as we close today. We're almost out of time. Here's a challenge, and I want to go back to the, to the, to the wise men, the magi, and here's five things they did. So I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you to imitate the pattern of the magi. Number one, the magi looked at ancient prophecies. They read and believed those because they were God's word. Men from God had shared them, and so let us study. Let us continue to be good students of the Word and share the Word with the lost world. Number two, they sought Jesus. They didn't just want to read about Jesus. They traveled. They packed up and went on a long journey, hundreds, perhaps thousands of miles, bearing gifts to honor a little child that was born. And what's interesting about this journey, if you think about it, God led them because they set their minds and their hearts to seek Jesus. And so God gave them direction. And there was a star made just for them that they followed. My point is this, church, that when you commit to follow the Lord, to seek Jesus and to tell others about Him, I believe that you will be God-led also. God will, through gentle nudges and bumps along the way, help you see how to share Jesus with a lost world. Put that in your heart and seek it. Number three, they recognized Christ, therefore they gave Him gifts. We too can give gifts. And we've talked about the greatest gift that we can give Jesus Christ, and that is presenting our bodies as living sacrifice. Number four, they humbled themselves and they worshiped. They humbled themselves. Lord, here I am. Use me. I don't want to spend my life, the remainder of my time, building an empire for me or amassing great things of wealth because they're all temporary. Help me rather to humble myself and serve in your kingdom and worship Jesus and honor Him. That church is a gift to our Messiah. Number five, and finally, they obeyed God rather than men. Herod said, come back, tell me. I want to know about Jesus and his location. They didn't listen to Herod. They went and honored the Savior. And unfortunately, I believe that in future church, there are going to be laws passed that are directly uh, contrary to the teachings of God. We must make a choice who we will obey. And let us always, church, obey God. Let us always put him first, even if it means we become lawbreakers. When laws are passed contrary to the Word of God, let us stand on the Word. Let us be obedient to God. And you see, these five things combined made them truly wise men. Be wise people today. Today we've talked about the gift of the Magi. They sought Jesus. We saw their gifts and that their gifts had a purpose And then we challenged you today to think about what gift you would offer Jesus. We concluded that it was a heart and a mind that seeks to please God and a heart and mind that tells others about Christ. We concluded today in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where we will present our bodies as living sacrifices. Let us be wise like the wise men. Let us read and believe the word. Let us seek Jesus, recognize his worth, humble ourselves to worship him and obey God. Rather than men, let us be wise. Today we're going to sing an invitation song about blood, the blood of the Lamb, and how we're cleansed. We invite you today to be part of God's family and be washed in His blood. Let's stand and sing together, Jesse. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood?
blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Please be seated. Allison has been dating and now they're engaged. Uh, uh, Zach and I has talked quite a few times. Uh, this past week, Zach sent me a text and said that he knew if he died where he would spend eternity and he didn't want to do that and he wanted to obey the gospel. So Zach and I has had uh, some Bible studies and uh, he knows and of course this lesson this morning uh, he and Allison go to a church in Cookville, and he's heard lessons there. Uh, he knows what he needs to do to become a Christian. So at this time, I'm going to take Zach's confession. Zach, would you come forward? Zach, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Okay. Upon hearing his confession, now we'll go and baptize Zach into Christ. They're preparing. Let's all sing number 58. Number 58. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. He taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up, and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand. When clothed in his brightness, transported, I rise to meet him in clouds of the sky. His perfect salvation is wonderful love, shout with the millions on high. 
He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand. Our closing song this morning will be number three. Number three. Sing the first and last verses. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider shall fill my heart, then I shall bow in humble adoration, and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how Almighty God, we are both humbled and in awe of your great power and your great love. Father, at this time of year, when a world pauses to acknowledge your son's existence, we live it each day of our life, each moment of our lives, with thanksgiving and gratefulness in our hearts and in our minds. Father, we are your children. We are purchased by the blood of your son Jesus on the cross, who the world celebrates his birth. 
We celebrate both his birth and his victory over death through his sacrifice on the cross. Dear God, we're so grateful for this illustration of our young brother in Christ, new brother, Zach, who's come this morning, acknowledging what we know and what we have professed. And we thank you, Father, for this avenue of eternal relationship with you in heaven through what Jesus did for us. Father, as we continue to enjoy this time of love and fellowship and sharing, you call us to go beyond the, only, the, the natural love of our families and our brothers and sisters in Christ, to share that love with a world lost in sin. Oh, Lord, help us to feel that burden. Help us to know and feel that sense of loss of people who don't have Jesus and don't have you in their lives. Lord, dismiss us with the mission that we will not only this day, but each day of this upcoming year, dedicate ourselves, each one, to sharing the love of Christ to the world that so sadly needs him. Father, be with us all now as we leave this, t- this place. and Thank you for the privilege of coming together today to honor you and your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.